everyone. Welcome to episode 81 of the Finger Guns podcast. My name is Roscoe. How are you doing? Sorry, we're a little bit late this week, but hey, we're all here now. I'm joined by Greg. Hello. I can't believe we've done 81 of these things. I know, right? Magic. Even more, including our special edition episodes. Yeah, and the and the Gonzo ones that Sean and I did last year. I can't believe we've done more than, you know, 10 of these things. <laughs> <laughs> I know, 81 episodes later, we're still here. I know, still surprised we can actually talk for an hour. That's crazy, an hour-ish, yeah. Mr. Toby Anderson. Good evening. How are you, mate? I'm all right, thank you very much. I've not been on 81, 81 of these, but um, if we're, how many have I been on? 10, too 15? Many. Oh, yeah, far too many. A dozen or two? I'm still, yeah. I'm still raring to go for loads more. Also, nice. I've just realised that we didn't think of spooky nicknames for this one. Yeah, and that's why I went. Oh, I yeah, I realised. Yeah, terrifying Toby. Lovely, spooky Sean Davies. Yeah, and oh, that's a good one. I'll use that. Gruesome Greg and Ross. Well, that's why I can't think of one from my Twitter bio. There's always like, you know, every year uh, they do horror, Halloween Ram, ones. Mine. Isn't it Ram. Ross but scary anyway? Yeah, <laughs> Ross Let's introduce Sean before we forget. Oh, yeah. And finally, it's scary Sean Davies. Sex past Sean Davies. Hello! Whoa! <laughs> How are you, Sean? I am very well. Thank you very much. Went pumpkin picking today. Um, oh, nice. I got a blue pumpkin, which I didn't know existed until today. But. Huh. Hey, there you go. We've got a white pumpkin, a green pumpkin, and an orange pumpkin. And uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to carving them this week. Awesome. I was about to ask, what does your family do for Halloween? But Well, yeah, normally we go, go uh, trick-or-treating, but this year it's like, stay away because and. of the plague. So, <laughs> yeah. um, so this year we're just going to go and sit in and watch scary movies. And when I say scary movies, it's going to be like Monster House and yeah, nice. The Nightmare Before Christmas, etc. Sure. So, as... as Trick-or-treating being officially banned, or is it just, have we all decided as a consensus? I think common sense dictates probably not going door-to-door and coughing on people, you know. Okay. Trick-or-treat, don't touch me. There's, mm. definitely, there's definitely still going to be people that like walk yeah, around and knock on doors. Um, but I think the general consensus is um, if you open the door um, and they're like, can we have some sweets? You're just going to say no. Sorry. <laughs> no, you should just have like an air cannon so you just fire like a big... <laughs> I was like, going to say, I've seen some fantastic <laughs> yeah, contraptions for <laughs> shooting sweets across your lawn. Like um, like a rock salt shotgun full of uh, fucking chocolate eclairs. Little millions. No, not, not eclairs as in the, the pastry. I mean, like the, cho- you know, the Cadbury's eclairs. As <laughs> 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 kids being admitted to hospital with fucking sweet wrappers stuck in them. I've, I've been very tempted. So like, we've got a, like an empty Rosie's tub. And um, I was very tempted to buy a full Rosie's tub, empty all the sweets, eat the sweets, then fill the wrappers back up with stones, and then just leave it outside my door that says, please take one. Because I know for a fact <laughs> that the same kids will just take one. So then they deserve the stone that's inside it. Uh, or both stones. So there you go. Here is Sean admitting to criminal misdemeanors. <laughs> no, 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 no. Yeah, I bleed that out. <laughs> I haven't committed a crime yet. True, true. All right, this is the premeditation. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Could have actually committed the crime. So. True, true. Well, that's is, why. That's your, why the uh, north is in lockdown. This is what, this, this is your minority port style arrest. I was going to say this is yeah. Tom Cruise would be on you for this. <laughs> What's that? <laughs> Crimes against children. Oh wait, no. <laughs> oh. Geez. How are you, Russ? Yeah, I'm okay. Yeah, things are uh, things are looking up. So. I'm good. good. Getting very excited for Thursday, and uh, uh, it's the release of Watch Dogs Legion. If you're wondering, but um, I wasn't. Yeah. Oh, 
Why were you wondering? <laughs> Just fucking watch that. Was my ever. friend. Jeez, be excited yeah. for me. I was excited for Stranding, wasn't I? I'm excited. I'm excited that you're excited. Yeah. Okay. That's it. That's all I need. You're not going to give it a go at all, Greg. No, I didn't. I haven't touched Watch Dogs Two. Zero interest. Um, yeah. I was playing Watch Dogs Two this afternoon. Actually, very excited. Yeah. I got the urge to jump in again, and yeah, it's all fun. Anyway, let's jump into game of the week. I'm going to start with. I'm going to start with Toby Anderson. Toby Anderson. What is your game of the week, sir? My game of the week. Um, I didn't play a whole lot this week, to be honest. I didn't get a lot of chance, but um, I was waiting for things to get released, like you're saying, waiting for things to come out that are. We're going into the big gaming season, aren't we? Um, but the only thing I did really get some time on was a strange and ultimately unsatisfying set of hours that I put into Amnesia Rebirth. Um, it was a first-person horror, like survival horror, so it's apt for this particular um, podcast. But I didn't think it was really survival at all. It didn't have any survival elements in it, have any health bars or items or anything like that. Um, it was more like a horror puzzler. And it just ended up getting just very, very boring and plodding as I went through. It's kind of these two different games at once. One's like a, in a desert where you're trying to survive a plane crash and you've got this um, pregnant female anthropologist who's the protagonist, um, you know, trying to survive in the desert. And I thought I was, I was, you know, sort of half interested in that particular bit. And then it all starts to fall apart when she um, gets this thing where she can go into different portals and then there's a whole alien world to, to escape. Um, but it felt like two completely different games, very, very different graphics in each one. And I just started getting very, very bored at that point. Um, not very interesting gameplay. And yeah, just, just like a sort of on rails linear horror game, um, which I mostly only finished for, for review purposes. So my game of the week is not really a good game, I'm afraid. It was a sort of middle of the road, very, very middle of the road horror game, um, which won't be on my list of scariest games later on. Um, but um, yeah. That's it. Not recommended. Don't don't uh, don't go out rushing out for that one. I've heard that the Steam reviews of Amnesia are not great, but that's mostly people getting angry that they have to play as a pregnant woman. I didn't have a problem with that. That was probably the best bit. That well, was no, most, I figured the most interesting thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, you, you do that in the Finch as well. Yeah, it's um, it was just you know it's relatively unique still, I suppose. But yeah, as you say, there is one or two other examples, but um, that part was probably the most interesting. It just the rest of it was nothing interesting, nothing new. Mm. So, yeah. No pregnant women in my horror games. I think that was the, uh, <laughs> that was the consensus. Uh, well, Mr. Greg Hicks, what are you playing this week? Uh, I was playing the extremely disappointing Transformers Battlegrounds, which is a very basic, mo- like, it looks like a badly ported mobile ta- uh, turn-based tactics game, so don't recommend. Uh, Toby and I have jumped onto the Ghost of Tsushima Legends mode, which is good fun. Nice. Yeah, we've been doing the, the story missions on that, which is surprisingly fun. It just reminds us of when we used to play um, Split Cell Blacklist. They're like unrelated story missions. So it's just fun tooting about playing those. We haven't done the, the survival mode yet. But my game of the week has to be Hades, which I've been playing on the Switch. It's on PC as well. I'm not big on rogue likes or rogue lights. I mean, I enjoy Dead Cells, but I don't go out of my way to, to play a lot of them. But Supergiant made Bastion, and that's a very good game as well. So I was kind of peaked with Hades, and then I finally bought it, and oh my god, it is so good. It's an isometric uh, dungeon roguelike, basically. You unlock different weapons, you can get uh, perks as you go along, which they're uh, gifts from the gods from Olympus, because you're playing as Hades' son, trying to escape um, the depths of hell. And the Olympian gods are sort of spurring you on. So when you go to like a new dungeon, 
you can pick up these uh, these perks from different gods, which can like include increase your attack damage, give you special abilities like uh, knocking back enemies, or if you do like a super move, it hits like an area of effect around you. And it's all it's not all randomized because they are like set perks that each god can give you and stuff like that. But like each time you do a new run, you start with whichever weapon you want, and like the you you pick a one of two chambers to progress into, and it can be like this one will give you a gift from Poseidon, or this room will give you an upgrade to an attack you already got, or this one give you some money to buy some items along the way. So it's it's randomized in that sense. But um, the one thing that puts me off with with roguelites is the constant just drilling through it again, and you only get story towards the end of it. That kind of thing. Like as much as I love Dead Cells. There's not really much to find out about it until you get to the end, and even then, it's very minimal. But with um with Hades, every time you die and you go back like to the River of Sticks, and you end up back in your house essentially. You can chat to the characters, and there's more exposition. And then uh, when you die like a certain amount of times, then something else happens. So the game doesn't it doesn't quite encourage you to die, and it's not like the Dark Souls thing of like you will die because it's not that cruel a game. It's down to your own ability, but but death has a reward in that you find out more of the story. So it kind of compels you not to get annoyed about dying and go, Oh fuck it. I hate this game, but to go, oh, okay, I've got this item now. What if I can give it to one of my, you, you get um, gifts that you can gift to uh, the various like gods and underlings and stuff in, in Haiti. So you think, all right, I might have died, but I can give this to um, Orpheus and he'll give me something in return for it. That kind of stuff. So it kind of encourages you to, all right, get good at the game, but there's no real penalty in death as such because there are some progression things that you keep as well, like abilities, but it encourages you that death isn't the end. It's not something to get pissed off about because you'll actually find out more about the game as you do it. So I've been kind of tucking hours into that. I think the other night I thought I was going to do one more run and I ended up doing like a two hour run on it, which is like the night before my day off, which was fine because it got to about one in the morning. It sounds it like um, Children of Mortar. I yeah. Say that. yeah yeah it's it's that kind of that kind of style and visually it's it's oh it's so beautiful and i'm playing on a switch light so obviously it's small screen you know it looks very crisp but i'm playing on a small screen i think if i had it on a big switch or a nice pc display it would look fantastic i like super giant are good for doing cutesy cartoon games like bastion and then transistor was that more sort of human shaped kind of thing it's more, i'd say it's more akin to transistor than bastion but the visuals of it and the voice acting some of it is just so good um i remember i was talking to chris wall about it and he was like yeah it's such a good game and i didn't buy it on release because i missed the discount so i put it off a little bit and i just sort of took the plunge and bought it the other day absolutely loving it it's you can like a run can last you five minutes a run can last you an hour and a half depending on how good you are and what the randomized enemies do and yeah i'm really really enjoying it it's going to be one of my games of this year Fantastic. Ooh. What? what? Cool. Just, just, Very cool. It's a bold claim, that. Yeah, no, and it's, it's, I put more time into that Switch game than I have any of my Switch games total. Like, I know I finished okay. Katana Zero, but that was more through attrition to keep going, whereas Hades, I keep going back to and going, damn, this is good. Really enjoying it. Oh, I need to buy it now. Thanks, Greg. Welcome. <laughs> That's the that's my game of the week slash sales pitch to Sean. 
it's very much that thing from children of mortal where you would die and you'd get more exposition each time you died yeah. you got a bit more story a bit more story it was exactly what kept me coming back to that one i'm really loving that one yeah that's exactly the appeal of hades like i, I hope they think... do i hope they do this more with more roguelites going forward because it well, is you, definitely remember... the way to get me into absolutely them. do you remember breath of fire dragon quarter tapes okay when that premise was i remember uh, giving up on it <laughs> yes yeah, but the, the premise was that the story gives you bugger all until you willingly restart the game and you see more as it comes across yeah and I, I remember that being an absolute absolutely wank gimmick but now on this 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 hades thing it's like it's not that they want you to die but it's more like well as you've died let's calm your tits by giving you some story and you think wow i'm learning more about it and there's i'm not going to give any away it's not your standard like it's not a standard greek tragedy as such as such but like there's elements of all all the gods that have made up these fables and stuff and it plays well into its own unique story and i'm really enjoying it but i don't want to spoil it no that's cool i think it's probably the most i've mentioned about game of the week as well i think it'll be on my list as well sean um but just waiting for a sale i think yeah i'm i'm big into this whole revolution of roguelikes and roguelites because that genre was so done. Now, there was nothing else you could incentivize me to replay the same part of a game, even if it was procedurally generated. That but that's way. why I didn't like them to start with. Like, Binding exactly, of Isaac, yeah. never got into it. Like, like I said, I love the art style of Dead, Sa- Dead Cells, and I enjoyed it, but I haven't touched it since I pretty much reviewed it. And Because there's no, there's no compulsion to go back to it, just to get slightly better at it and maybe mm-hmm. not die as much. Whereas, like, Hades has a story to a roguelite. I'm I, I still trying to figure out if it's roguelite or roguelite. And, I know we had this confusion the other week. It's it's the one where you retain some skills, but the weapons are all reset each time. Light, yeah. Light, it should yeah. be light. Okay. Yeah, 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 cool. So it's it's a rogue light, but yeah, it's a rogue light with a very well written story. Supergiant are good at doing story, a really good narrative. So yeah, mm. that's my uh, that's my 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 gold award. Wow, <laughs> there's not many games that get a Greg Gold Award. No, there's a few, but not never a rogue light. I never thought a rogue light would be up there. Mm. Yeah, I hear nothing but good things about Hades. I think it'll be on a lot of people's game of the years. Yep. When that comes. Mine. Not too far away now. Woo. We'll have to work out our games of the year. My God. Uh, Mr. Sean Davies, what is your game of the week? My game of the week is called Roki. It's recently released on the Nintendo Switch. It's a point and click style action. No, there's no action. Like an adventure game where you play as a girl called Tobey. Uh, she lives in the Scandinavian wilderness with her dad and brother, and they recently had a, a bit of a loss in the family. The mother died, um, and it's kind of put a big strain on the relationship with the family. Um, unbeknownst to them, that there is there is a particular situation going on in the family that they don't know about, and a monster turns up and steals Lars, the brother, away, and Tove sets out sets out to go and rescue Lars from. Uh, they're basically the Norse gods, but like pre, you know, like the J- J- Jotun, like the, the pre-Thor Odin style Norse gods, the giants. Um, so it's it's a fantastic game set in that kind of a world with trolls and um, these little, basically they look like garden gnomes, but they could do magic. Um, it's like giant frogs with beards. It, it, the game is, is crazy, crazy good. Um, there's a review on the website now and you should go and check it out. Um, but that's that's my game of the week, which I've been playing in between games of Jack's Bo- Jackbox Party 7. You should definitely get that too. That's that's a very good game. There's a review coming for that today, if you're listening to this review. This podcast. Okay. Oh, nice. Yeah. Jackbox never really disappoints, does it? 
no, no, this one's this one's uh, as good as ever. Um, the only thing I would say is that you, it's not really as accommodating for the younger kids this time round. Okay. I mean, it's it's not lewd or rude or anything, uh, but obviously you can be lewd and rude if you want to. Uh, the game very much allows for that to happen. Um, but the the problem with it is it, there's a lot of reading, a lot of wordplay, mm. and like I tried to play some of the games. There's there's a couple like this one which is champed up, which you basically draw characters and they fight on the screen, and that's that's great. But like Quiplash, my kids can't play Quiplash. Um, there's a an, another game where you have to put together sentences to try and uh, give people a description of something without um, giving away what it actually is. Uh, and again, they couldn't play that because there were just too many big words for them to understand. So this isn't as kid-friendly as the previous ones or some of the previous ones, but um, yeah, it's it's still great. Okay, cool. That's con- proper consumer advice we just handed out there. Yeah, I try and, you know, we, we've got oh, to try okay. and be, um, to offset the complete not to shit that we talk. With... <laughs> <laughs> what have you been playing, Ross? I shall help. Um, my game of the week is a demo. Uh, I don't know if that counts, but I'm going to do it anyway. And it was a demo of Immortals Phoenix Rising, which is Ubisoft's brand new game, which is coming out uh, before the end of the year. December, Good. I believe, on things. I've been playing it on Google Stadia, of all places. And I checked out the demo, which is still available now. It's completely free to try. Even if you're not a Stadia member, you can just jump on and have a go. And yeah, I'm really, I'm really into it. It's fun. The demo isn't hugely long. I th- I'd say about 20 to half an hour. Not long at all, but it gives you a good idea what it is. It is absolutely and completely 100% Breath of the Odyssey. It is a combination of the both of them in such a way that it's not even trying to pretend that it isn't. You know, there's you can climb up anything. You've got your your health bar going up rocks and stuff like you did on Breath of the Wild. Um, you've got the kind of visual style and the the scenes of Odyssey, and they just mesh them together. And for some reason, it just really works. It's really funny. There's a light-hearted kind of humor throughout, and there was commentary whilst I was playing between Prometheus and Zeus sort of looking down, watching all the action and commenting, commentating on it as, as you go. And that's really fun and entertaining. And I'm excited for it now. I, I don't know if I was before, but uh, the wonder of Stadia, of course, is that you can just jump on whenever you like and it's immediately available. So being able to check it out that way was, was great. And I think it's, uh, yeah, it's, it, it sold me on it for sure. And I'm looking forward to trying it. I was a big fan of Breath of the Wild. I'm a big fan of Odyssey. So anything that combines them and has the kind of Ubisoft upgrade system, which they're so famed for in Odyssey and Origins. Yeah, I'm in. I'm into it. It sounds, it sounds and plays really well. We're getting a whole bunch of these Breath of the Wild things because they've had enough time to be developed since the game yeah, exactly since that, Breath of yeah. the Wild came out and they're suddenly <laughs> all appearing, aren't they? It's um, Windbound and Genshin Impact and mm. now, now Phoenix Rising. Yeah, Phoenix Rising is going to be a good one, I think. And I think it has the, the Ubisoft backing, so it's going to be everywhere so i think it's going to be a nice one to end the year out with uh hopefully anyway uh if it doesn't get delayed so yeah it's uh living up to expectations so far at least on my end and it's absolutely free to check out and i recommend uh going and do that get yourself your get your phone or get a laptop grab a controller and just check it out i think it's probably worth doing i uh i had a look at the stadia library the other day because I was, I was very, I was on the fence about mm-hmm. getting the whole pro subscription thing. 
it's getting pretty impressive now. Yeah, like, it's getting there slowly. <laughs> yeah, it's it's starting to feel like. I mean, it's not Games Pass, but obviously Game Pass you have to download currently. Um, but you know, it's getting to Netflix of gaming standard, which you know, if they keep adding to it, fingers crossed, they can try and stave off the wave of other streaming services coming very soon. But uh, yeah, I was impressed. Yeah, the Sadia Pro subscription is actually working out quite well. There's so much stuff on there now. Mm. And you can claim them whenever you like. Stuff like Destiny 2, Super Hot, Metro Last Light, uh, Orc Must Die, Celeste, Strange Brigade, Super Hot 1 and 2, Hitman, Dead by Daylight, you know, and it just it would just be added to. And if you if your internet connection is solid enough, then it's fine. I have no issues with Stadia really, except for the you know, except for the real lack of games. But and as you say, that's getting better. Mm. And it's a shame that Stadia, it seems already in the zeitgeist, is already dead because it's kind of slowly coming up on the promises that it made when it was launched. So we'll see. Yeah, it, it, it was always going to be the, the, the problem one because it, was, it went first, you know. It, it, everyone else is learning from the speed bumps that Stadia has hit. So, you know, it's, it's a shame that it had to go first, but it did go first and it is a shame. Yeah, let's see how Amazon gets on competing with it, with their actual subscription service. Yeah, we shall yeah. see. We shall see indeed. Uh, right then, it is time for... It's time for the, for the quiz. Ah, okay. Yeah. Let's, let's do a quiz then. Okay, let's do that. Okay, so it is my fault that this podcast is a day late. I had a headache and I had kids awake and I wasn't in the mood. So last night, having woke up from a nap, I decided to add five more questions to this quiz as recompense for my tardiness. What? So this what? is now a 15. Why do we have to suffer? Because you had a booboo. <laughs> it's not for you. It's not for you. It's for the, 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 the readers and listeners, you know? It's... Plus, yeah, you might, we have you to might... go through it. We have yeah. this quiz, isn't it for me? Yeah, so this, this, is a, this is a kicking for you God, guys. I liked you well, better sorry. when you had a headache. <laughs> um, so... This quiz is all about horror video games, which is obviously apt given the podcast that we're releasing. So, it's Halloween-y. Exactly. So let's just get on with this. Uh, if you've never done this before, I'm going to ask 15 questions. These guys are going to write the answers down. At the end of the podcast, we'll get the answers. And you can play along at home and then tell us how much you beat our guys by. I love that. Okay. I love that. I, I, was, I was feeling unwell, so I've added five more questions to the yeah, quiz. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to get my head around that. <laughs> no, it's like, it's, it's like it, pe- people who, like, gen, like there, are, there are people that wake up on a Monday, they go to work, and they listen to the podcast. And I, I felt shitty that people were waking up on Monday and going, oh, I've got a podcast. So we I have thought, to suffer more questions. No, this isn't this, like yeah. You have to suffer these. At the questions. moment, they're going to have to suffer through this bit first. Yeah, true. <laughs> okay, right. Let's do this. Five more questions. Five more questions. Question Which is one. great because at the start of this, Ross said, "I don't play any horror games." <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, you might, you might get. I've, I've tried to make this as fair as physically possible. Okay. Um, so I, I haven't just given loads of like Resident Evil and Silent Hill questions because I know that Greg and Toby would know them. I've tried to be diverse, okay? I was going to say, my level would be name the game Resident blank. Uh, I'll be where I am. Okay. <laughs> Resident Hill. <laughs> okay, right, let's, let's start this off. Okay, question one. Five more questions. No. Five more questions. <laughs> Look, I'm going to start dropping Limp Biscuit lyrics on you in a second. Yeah! <laughs> okay, question one. Bonnie, Chica and Freddy Fazbear are all antagonists from which horror game series? I'm out. What names? <laughs> Question one. 
Question one. Bonnie, Chica, and Freddy Fazbear are all antagonists from which horror game series? Maybe you're all too old for this game. I mean, I'm, I'm taking a guess, but I'm, I'm going to, I think I'm right. <laughs> I think you're right too. How many questions are left? 14. 14. Question two. Wow. <laughs> Question two. The development team called Red Barrels are famous for creating which horror video game franchise? So question two, the development team called Red Barrels are famous for creating which horror video game franchise? Yeah, I'm on a roll. Okay. Question three. According to the Guinness Book of World Records, what game is considered the first ever 3D survival horror game? So question three, according to the Guinness Book of World Records, what game is considered the first ever 3D survival horror game? Hmm. The Guinness what? Book of World Records. <laughs> B-E-W-K. Buke. How about fuck off? <laughs> okay, question four. Man of Medan and the upcoming Little Hope are part of which video game series from Supermassive Games? So question four, Man of Medan and the upcoming Little Hope are part of which video game series from Supermassive Games? Know that one. See, how about you got five out of five so far? We've only had four questions. Exactly. Okay. <laughs> Question five. Uh, the player-controlled character in Alien Isolation is what relation to Ellen Ripley? And it's over. Oh, well, at least there's only five questions left. Take, take a guess. Question five. The player-controlled character... I don't even know what Isolation. gender they are. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, please okay. repeat the question for the listeners. I apologize. Question five. The player control character in Alien Isolation is what relation to Ellen Ripley? And just for you, Roscoe, her name is Amanda Ripley. Don't give him a hint. Well, you know, he's going to have to guess a relation. Can you give right? me a hint on question one and three, please? Yeah, can you give me the answers too? No. Well, stop giving hints then. Question six. <laughs> <laughs> Which game is set aboard the USG Ishimura? Question six. Which game is set aboard the USG Ishimura? The Rockbreaker. Uh, what's the name of this game, Sean? <laughs> Do you know what? I'll message you. Don't worry. I'll send it you in chat. Thanks, bruv. <laughs> this is bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> okay, it's getting a bit harder now. <laughs> Question anyway. seven. Um, in the original Sound Hill game, which neighbouring town did Sybil Bennett come from? Was it Lakeside, Brookhaven, or Brahms? you got a one in three chance, Ross. Uh, there's a lot of boss bias going on. Uh, look, he's, I he's, mean, there really he's... isn't. I don't know what I'm doing here. No, I mean, sorry, Ross favouritism. Look, he's, he's, like, he's the only guy Luke, here who, who can every, uh, every horror game, so... Why would you make a horror quiz that Ross wouldn't know the answer to and then give him hints? <laughs> what, what are, there the any, um, again? are there any Friday the 13th questions? That, that's the horror game I play. Um, Lakeside, Brookhaven, or Brahms? 
Yeah, so question seven, in the original Silent Hill game, which neighbouring town did Sybil Bennett come from? Was it Lakeside, Brookhaven, or Brahms? Okay, question... It's been so long since I played this. You've got a one in three chance too, Toby. Yeah. <laughs> I think I know which one it is, but... Okay. Yeah. Question eight, George A. Romero directed an advert for which Resident Evil slash Biohazard game that only ever aired in Japan? And I'll give you a hint, it's one of the main series games, not a spin-off. And it's really good as well. It is. There's like eight of them now. Uh, yes. So there's a one in eight chance now. Well, seven. Yeah. We are true. Someone <laughs> died, yeah. <laughs> um <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, uh, question eight. George A. Romero directed an advert for which Resident Evil slash Biohazard game that only ever aired in Japan? Would you call Code Veronica one of the main games then? I would. No. That's but a spin-off. A, it's not a spin-off. It is. It's not, it's it's not not it doesn't have a number thing. Oh, so it's, you know it's what? One, one of them two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. But, yeah. Those are the ones we're referring to. Yes. Right. Okay. They're not main. Question, oh, fuck's sake. <laughs> Question nine. The 1995 Clock Tower game was set in which real world country? Is Europe a country? <laughs> um, I'm, <laughs> I'm joking. I don't know, I'm from Stoke. Okay. <laughs> Why do you sound Jamaican? Uh, I don't know. Hey man, we don't know. <laughs> I wasn't trying. I was trying to be dumb, but um... he's, like, he's like Sebastian from The Little Mermaid. <laughs> okay, question nine: The 1995 Clock Tower game was set in which real world country? Okay, question ten: Regina, Gale, Rick, and Cooper are all characters from which 90s survival horror game? Question ten. Regina, Gale, Rick, and Cooper are all characters from which 90s survival horror game? And for you, Roscoe, Gale is a guy. Okay. Question 11. In the game Fear, or First Encounter Assault Recon, what is the name of the pow powerful psychic antagonist? So question 11, in the game Fear, or First Encounter Assault Recon, what is the name of the powerful psychic antagonist? Okay, tw question hey, 12. last question. Oh. Get it, it's getting so close, Ross, don't worry. Question 12, the Gregory Horror Show video game was developed and published by which Japanese company? Question 12. The Gregory Horror Show video game was developed and published by which Japanese company? This is the game that I thought was getting the comeback on the trailer thing when it started going, Gregory! <laughs> yeah, that was freaky. It was. Um, question 13. Is that the game you thought it was or the game it actually ended up being? No, it's the game I thought it was going to be a very obscure Gregory Horror I can Horror remember show. the name of the game you thought it was. Yeah. Oh well. 
<laughs> okay, question 13. <laughs> no. Question 13. Rayman Legends was originally st slated to be a Wii U exclusive until which horror video game failed to make a profit, pushing Ubisoft to make it multi-platform? Ubisoft. Oh, Ubisoft, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Turn into Sean Connery for something. No, Ubisoft, <laughs> not <laughs> Ubisoft. <laughs> okay, oh, question... what, Watch Dogs Legion, yes. <laughs> Hell, boy. Assassin's um, Creed. Oh, God, he'd have a mouthful of that, wouldn't he? <laughs> Assassin's Creed Odyssey. <laughs> right, let's try this again. Question 13. Rayman Legends was originally slated to be a Wii U exclusive until which horror video game failed to make a profit, pushing Ubisoft to make it multi-platform? Oh, then I'm going to play some Star Wars Squadrons. <laughs> that doesn't sound like him at all, does it? <laughs> no. I am not an actor. Oh shit! It was a launch title. Yeah, I know. Okay, done. Okay. Uh, yes. Question. <laughs> question fourteen: The original Left 4 Dead was published on PC and what console? Ooh. Ah. Oh. Ting tang. Whatever. Question 14, the original Life of Dead was published on PC and what console? And finally, Whee! question 15, which cult classic horror game follows a murder investigation by FBI special agent Francis York Morgan in a fictional town of Greenvale, Washington? So shit. Question 15, <laughs> which cult classic horror game follows a murder investigation by FBI Special Agent Francis York Morgan in a fictional town of Greenvale, Washington? People tell me that it's like, oh, it's one of my favorite Best horror game games ever, of all time. Yeah. It's like, are you fucking kidding me? It's awful. Yeah, I, I don't awful. see the appeal. I don't see the appeal. I've tried it, and yeah, no. But they like it just because it's like B-movie. When you kill their, yeah, your enemies, they goes, I don't want to die and i remember i because I, I, I reviewed the the remaster for the switch on for nintendo life and it was just horrible people were like oh my god i'm so excited and the sequel came out and it was bollocks as well yeah cheers for all these clues i've worked out what it is and it's just you know <laughs> i'm sorry it's just whenever this game comes up it bugs me because it's like it's not great it's not a game of the year it's not worthy of it oh. sorry <laughs> okay no no you're right i just like, and I thought I thought I got sidetracked. I'm, I'm just really trying to keep this quiz to pieces. <laughs> the fact that you know, I think everyone's going to get that answer now. Yeah, well, sorry, it's only one of them out of what 14, 15. So, I've I've just seen Greg's answers, and it's impressive. You've got some work to do, Ross. I'll send you all the answers now, mate. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm fully aware I'm not going to win this one, but I'm going to send um, you my answers anyway. Thanks. I'm going to do it right now. Just wait for his Google page to. To your slough of fucks. <laughs> to your, to your it's slack. Not you, it's Paul. I think it's okay, actually. I think it's all right. It's just there are, there are some deep cuts in there I didn't get. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's interesting. Seven is a guess. Six is, is it six? No, seven. Yeah, seven is. I don't know. Anyway. Okay. Thanks very much for participating in this elongated quiz. <laughs> Thank you. Right then, we're going to go into both barrels, where we go into this week's news and then jump into a main topic afterwards. So sit back, relax, 
I'm going to power through this week's biggest news. There hasn't been a lot this week. It's been a kind of a quiet week before, like the calm before the storm, before the big consoles release. So I've cherry picked a few things, but here we go. Sony has delayed a PS5 launch title, Destruction All-Stars, just a few weeks before the launch of the console. The action racing game is due out alongside the PS5 on 12th of November. Priced £70, though it will now launch at some point in February 2021, when it will be included for two months in PlayStation Plus, Sony directors of product development P. Smith said in a post on the PlayStation blog. Destruction All-Stars is a multiplayer game that at its best when you're competing with games online from all around the world, he said. We want as many people as possible to experience the mayhem on PS5, and what better way to do that than to provide the game to our PlayStation Plus members. Xbox boss Phil Spencer has teased the launch of a streaming stick for xCloud, as well as a new tier of Xbox Game Pass membership. In an interview with Straight Cherry, I don't know what that is, Spencer said streaming sticks could be used to plug into TVs in order to play games via xCloud. He said, I think you're going to see lower-priced hardware as part of our ecosystem when you think about streaming sticks and other things that somebody might want to just go plug into their TV and go play via xCloud. You could imagine us even having something that we just included in the Games Pass subscription that gave you an ability to stream xCloud games to your television and buying the controller. Call of Duty Zombies Mode Onslaught is confirmed to be a time, place, and exclusive mode that won't be heading to other platforms for a full year. Zombies Onslaught is separate to this year's main Zombies narrative, Die Machine, which is still coming to all platforms at launch, and is described as a two-person, fast-paced co-op experience that drops participants, complete with their custom loadouts, onto one of several locations derived from Cold War's various multiplayer maps. Here, players are confined to a limited orb area, and waves of zombies will begin spilling in. Once a sufficient number have been eliminated, the orb and the habitable area will move, and as each game progresses, waves will introduce more resilient, faster, and deadlier zombies, including powerful elite enemies. Sean, I want to play that with you. Sounds like a lot of fun. Yes. Fire Emblem Shadow Dragon and Blade of Light is set to release digitally on 4th of December and is currently listed at £5.39. It promises classic gameplay and characters from the original NES version in their 8-bit glory to mark 30 years since the game's original release. Now, that's all well and good, but the description says the game will only be available for a limited time. Nintendo recently announced a similar limited release for their Super Mario 3D All-Stars, which can only be purchased from the eShop until the end of March 2021. And sure enough, the limited time period for Shadow Dragon and the Blade of Light also ends on the 31st of March, 2021. I think there's a bigger story there. We should talk about it sometime. Microsoft has now confirmed a newly optimized version of its Halo Master Chief Collection, which will run at 120 FPS in campaign and multiplayer. On Xbox Series X specifically, the game will run in up to 4K, Microsoft said today. There will also be split-screen improvements, cross-gen play support, adjustable field of view, and of course, the upgraded package will be available via Xbox Game Pass, as the game already is. The release date for this newly optimized version of the game is the 17th of November, a week after the release of the Xbox Series S and X. And finally, legendary video game developer Hideo Kojima has confirmed a new project is in development, but has said nothing about it. In a statement issued on Kojima's official Twitter account and Kojima Productions' LinkedIn page, the Metal Gear creator said the studio is hiring for various roles at its Tokyo office. That's as much as we know. We will keep an eye on that one. And that, my friends, is Both Barrels. Greg, very quickly, yep. um, Hideo Kojima's new thing that he's working on. Yep. Now, does Death Stranding lend itself to a sequel, or do you think it's a new project? No. The well, I'm going to spoil Death. I don't want to spoil Death Stranding too much because no. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> I have not played this yet. Well, I can't really answer your question properly. Then, um, short answer: No, it doesn't. It's a single. All the threads are wrapped up nicely. It's a it's a self-contained universe. It doesn't need a sequel, and if it does, it's going to do the Metal Gear Survive thing of just padding out a universe that doesn't need padding out. So 
no, there there can't really be any follow on from Death Stranding. Okay, but I can't but, say more because because I'm not zero. Didn't, it. didn't he no, have a a project that he couldn't get funding for before Death Stranding, and it had to get canned, and then he got funding for Death Stranding, made that it was a hit. Maybe he's gone back to that one. Sound hells. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, that'd be the, that'd be the big reveal, wouldn't it? Cool. Yeah, I was just curious. I saw that news off, so I was interested to see what what you might think. See if it's going to be a sequel or what. So yeah, new Kojima stuff though. Always exciting. Woo. Right then, let's get into some big news. And this week again, there hasn't been a lot of massive news, but we're going to talk about these uh, these these retro consoles that are coming back and trying to make a name for themselves at the end of this year and 2021. In a year where two massive brand new consoles are releasing, can we see? A future for things like the Evercade or the Intellivision and the Atari VCS. Uh, these things that are classic things that are coming back again, full of old games, um, looking to kind of break into this little niche that they've made for themselves against these massive megatons. So I'm going to throw this one over to Mr. Sean Davies. Where do you see the future going for these Intellivisions and the Atari VCS and things like this against? these massive systems and do you think that there's only really a small audience for them or will they branch out into the mainstream i think there is always going to be a small market for these and i think they are currently targeting just that small market the the interesting one that you just mentioned there is the evercade so the evercade came out um i think it was last year it's a handheld it's got little cartridges which have a couple of games on um they all have a theme and it kind of came out of nowhere. No one was really expecting it. But within this last year, it has kind of exploded. Uh, it, the, there are now a lot of people after these things, and it's selling out as quick as they can make them. And that's because, you know, they haven't just stuck to their own games. Like, they, haven't, they aren't just sticking to Atari games. They aren't just sticking to it in television games. They're just doing retro games. So they've got, like, a Bitmap Brother one. They've got... Um, retro sports games all in one and they've recently started to venture out into indie games so there's an entire publisher like a modern day publisher who publishes retro inspired video games and they've just got their own cartridge so it seems like the avocade of the of the kind of retro style consoles is is doing something right it's definitely coming out with lots of new products all the time and these products are they, they are definitely tailored to the right people, you know. It's a handheld like the Switch, but has access to a whole wealth of retro games. Then we come to Atari and Intellivision. I don't see why Atari are doing this. Their console is... When you look at the hardware specs, the hardware specs for the Atari is it VCS is really great. Mm-hmm. Like, it is, it is proper good hardware. It's got, uh, you know... It's got a decent graphics card in there, decent RAM. There's, there's, it's basically a, a PC that will be able to play retro games. And then you think to yourself, yeah, well, every PC can play retro games. Why do I need an Atari VCS? My, my phone can play retro games. Yeah. Um, I, get, I get the feeling that, obviously, that there, is, there is quite a lot of nostalgia attached to Atari for people who had Ataris. Uh, the controller, you know, they've got the, the joystick with the one button that that is uh, is part of the pack you know and but there is a modern day control that you can use too and they have said that they are working with modern day developers too to bring games to the atari vcs the problem is 
nobody really knows what the hell's going on with this right now because up until recently, nobody knew what was inside it and nobody knew what games were coming to it uh, because Atari had kind of rushed this to market um, by the feel of it. It doesn't feel like they've really had all of their ducks in a row before launching a console. And it's launching before Christmas, which is insane. You do not launch in the same window as a PlayStation 5 and an Xbox Series X. Yeah. <laughs> that is dead on arrival. Apart from those people that really love Atari and want to go and stay in an Atari hotel like Toby. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Have you seen that thing, though? It's I was going to bring this up. Yeah, the, it looks amazing. It does. I, I, definitely, I am definitely in the... I will wait and see this come to fruition before I get my hopes up because there's no way that it's actually going to look like that, right? <laughs> for the for the readers, the Atari Hotel looks like a Cyberpunk 2077 hotel um, with the Atari logo basically making up the, the spokes of the hotel. It looks amazing and it's going to be full of, supposedly, it's going to be full of games consoles in the rooms, video game themed rooms, like retro arcades instead of slot machines. And it's going to host esports events and all sorts of stuff like that. So, so the, when, they, um, when they build this in Las Vegas, that's my new reason to go to Las Vegas. I'd like to think that, like, the most budget, cheap room there, the only game playable was ET. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or Pong or something. Yeah. yeah. It's just or, like the, or the, the Atari version of Pac Man or something. <laughs> um, so, yeah, the, the Atari VCS, I, I, I think, is dead in arrival. In, in television, Amico is a bit of a different story. Because if you, there's a brilliant interview with Tommy Tellerico, who's the CEO of Intellivision, uh, by Chris Scullion, uh, Ros- Roscoe's good friend, Chris Scullion. Um, he did an interview with Tommy and he talked about what the aim was for the Amico. And it's, it's an incredible vision. He wants to bring gaming to families. He wants to bring it back like it was in the old days where you could play around the TV together using controllers that were easy to use. Um, and the, the games were so, uh, so pick up and play and simplistic that you didn't have to learn loads of different rules about the games. He, he basically, he, he praised the Jackbox games because he sees them as like, you know, I think we've all played a Jackbox game and you can probably all say that one of your elderly relatives could pick up a phone and play one of those games. And that's what he wants to do with the Amico. It's a really noble goal. And he wants to do it at a budget. Uh, he wants everything to be built into the console with a, you know, a cheap, where games sell for like five, six pounds rather than 50. And, you know, they got Earthworm Jim, you know, despite the fact that... They Doug do Tim, have Earthworm Jim. Yeah. And while that teaser trailer was a bit ropey and, you know, I don't really want to give Doug or any more money than he already has. Um, thankfully, he's not attached to the project anymore. You know, that is a big driving force. They've got some pretty amazing games on that. And do you know what? They've got this, this, they've, there's this trailer for a game called uh, Cornholing. Now, I didn't know what Cornholing is. <laughs> <laughs> well, I thought it's this real, thing was meant real to be um, like E-rating on everything, and then there's a game called corn, Cornholing. Yeah, well, you basically... Tri- Not what you think it is. <laughs> <laughs> it is. <laughs> you, you, stand, you stand, like, distances away from this, this, like, a cornhole, and you throw a bag of corn into the hole. It's a very exciting American sport, I'll have you know. And they've signed up exclusive, ex- exclusivity to the cornholing league in America. Um, <laughs> I think the Amico's got a chance next year. 
I think the Atari's dead on arrival. I think the Evercade's got a massive chance to be um, the Vita that never was. Mm. You know, if it, if it really starts to gain traction with indie devs that can bring, you know, just a cartridge full of their games to the Evercade, I think it's got. I think it's got legs. I I actually want one of the Evercades. I, yeah, me too. I couldn't care less about the Atari VCS. <laughs> to be honest, the Evercade's got dizzy, man. It's hard. it's got an entire dizzy cartridge. It's got the whole dizzy cartridge. It's amazing. It's even got the, f- the first Earthworm Jim on it, and it's also got um, Tanglewood as well. Yes, the, the Mega Drive game that came out thirty years later. This this is what it needs to do. You know, it needs mm. to get hold of these if if it wants to stand a chance. And you know, at the end of the day, it's already got a market already, so it's selling games, and um, they they are putting out lots and lots of different cartridges like repeatedly now it's not every other week we get a press release that says hey we're bringing a new cartridge out which is fantastic yeah um i just wish we had one hey if you're listening to this advocate send us some review things we didn't get one (laughs) but sure let's uh read all your press releases yeah maybe we should post about them that's probably why we didn't get one oh that thing yeah yeah (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah that's my take on it i think there's 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 varying degrees of success to be had, but I think one particular console has just been it's dead on arrival. Mm, yeah, the Evercade is the most appealing one, I think, for sure. Mm, for sure. I think that'll be the case um for for the longest time because it, it does offer something properly retro and easy to kind of get into. I think the Amico and the Atari and I don't know. There's nothing that I can remember that I really feel like playing again. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I don't uh, want to go back to certain games and remember that they're actually terrible. Yeah, I mean the the, the great thing about the Amico is the fact that they are revolutionising these games. If you if you go if you go onto their YouTube channel, they they're releasing like trailers for the, the. I think one of them was called like Manhunt or something, and I remember seeing it in an, an arcade decades ago. I'm thinking that looks crap, and then the new version it looks like I actually want to play it. They do actually look quite funky. I was watching the uh, like the the splash reel trailer earlier. They they they're really putting an effort into making these games feel like modern day games, but with old school sensibilities. And I think that's yeah an admirable goal. What's the name of that system? I did a big write up about it on Finger Guns, but it got wiped in the great hack of twenty twenty. Um, it's a it, it's it's a little Game Boy looking thing, but it's got a crank on it. Oh, the oh, yellow one. Thing. Yeah, the yellow thing. What was it called? Uh, two seconds to Google yellow crank console. Yep. You're allowed to Google this thing. This uh, question. Playdate. Playdate. That's, that's it. the thing. Thank you. What was you, the crank for? Google. Uh, it's, it's, the, it's the controller, isn't it? It is. Uh, yeah. They, oh, okay. like, yeah it's, it's, but basically, it doesn't have a D pad per se. Or it does have a D-pad, but you can use the crank to control pretty much everything. It's like an, another input method on top of buttons and stuff. Yeah, it's made by the same guys that published Firewatch. So it's like, okay. <laughs> yeah. But it does, look, it does look pretty neat. And as a, as a tiny little system, it's got a black and white screen. It's not particularly impressive uh, to look at, but there's something about it. Well, I want one. But it might be too late. Yeah, the, it was sold out quickly, wasn't it? Yeah, and it had, it had that really cool. Basically, you buy the console, and it has like what was it, five games on it? But they release a free game every month after you purchase it for so many months. 
which was yeah. like a really cool idea, you know, just basically constantly giving you, you content based, you know, that you don't have to pay for. You've already bought it as part of the console, which I think is a great idea. And it says hello to you whenever you turn it on. Come on. Oh, bloody hell. I know, right? This, this should be the market leader, to be honest. Let's be honest. <laughs> yeah, I bought PlayStation 5 and Xbox <laughs> Series X. Does it have a crank, you know? Yeah. Like the GameCube? No? Right, there you go then. PS5 doesn't have a crank. Exactly. Yeah. PS4 had a crank. What? The game. Uh, <laughs> thank you. Thank you for that. Sorry. <laughs> Uh, right, has anyone got any other thoughts on these uh, tiny consoles, Dobes? Yeah, um, uh, some slightly different things that I picked up on them from what Sean was saying. So the Atari, though I agree that it probably is dead on arrival, it's for a different reason. It seems to be that they, they're trying to make it into this um, sort of creation and programming space as well. So if you were a sort of budding child programmer or um, or, or even adult programmer, I'm just thinking if mums buy it for their kids, but um, what better way to get into some coding, you know, the, to uh, to make your own working games that are, you know, they're only little pixel games, but I think I imagine that would be even easier to program little working games for your mates and stuff. And then you can just immediately publish your creations. Everyone has access to every single created, like community created game at all times. So it's like Little Big Planet or Dreams or something, only as a full console. But that's exactly what I think will kill it. It doesn't need to be a full console. If there are only going to be little retro games like that, that literally you could fit on a floppy disk, then there was no need to make a console that was 399 and had loads of tech in it. It, it, You could have made this as a piece of software, just like Dreams, and just would have been the Atari, you know, create space or something. I don't know what you would have called it, but something like that. And you can just make your own Atari games and use all of the old 100, you know, odd Atari games that they wanted to put on the system at the same time. But just do it as a disc, do it as software. Um, so, yeah, I, I kind of agree with Sean that that one isn't going very far. Um, but it's, it's just because it's got lots of nice ideas, but it's just not doing it in the right way, I don't think. The Intellivision Amico one, um, this one looks like it's trying for a bit of Nintendo's pie. So it's like kid-friendly, motion control, E-ratings on everything, and yeah, I appreciate they're all nice retro games that have been remade, but they are trying to be, you know, that there's not going to be anything on there that you couldn't play as a family. So it's it's going to alienate the other half of the market or, or, or the other massive part of the market where they actually do want something that's a bit more, you know, does a bit more than that. So it's um, the one thing that was really cool with that one, those controllers. So the, you get two little controllers with it that sit on it and charge off the top of the, off the, top of the machine, which is cool. But you can then um, Bluetooth in from an app on a phone so you can then have six more controllers from six people's smartphones in the same room and you could all use up to eight people on the same game all using their smartphones to play um which i thought was really cool so that's a that's a that's a pretty class idea but whether it'll work or not um it just that one strikes me as sort of very much like because of that e-friend you know e-rating on everything kid-friendly sort of stuff it makes it look like sort of my first console it's got you know, no in-app purchases, no DLC. It's the kind of thing that, you know, mums can go to the shop and go, oh, I need to buy, I, I want to buy a console for my kids, but I don't want any of these Playstations and all these, you know, Dooms and com- more Combats and all that kind of stuff. So it sounds like something that would be really good at the church youth group, you know, the, the console that you're allowed to play at church or the Bible Belt American pastors can get behind or 
the Amish if they actually accepted one piece of technology. It's that kind of it's <laughs> that's that kind the of should be going for. <laughs> but that's the tiny but the sort of what we think is a tiny audience, but probably is a massive audience of um sort of strangely uh technology unsavvy people in America. Um so you know there's there's swings and roundabouts on that one. It just it's got some clever ideas. It's just a bit of an odd aim at the market. Mm. Um and then I totally agree with you guys on the Evercade. I think that's cool and I want one. Um, I think that it's actually done something better than the Switch, which is that it's got an HDMI cable instead of just having that sort of silly dock that you don't need um, that, the, that the Switch has, and you can't you can't put it on your TV without that dock. You don't need that on the on the Evercade. And exactly as Sean was saying, if you've got all these different collections coming out, every publisher of every old retro you know game, they didn't have one game; they had tens of dozens of games. They could just make collections, and there could be you know dozens and dozens of these dozen game collections and it looks like it's got legs to me it looks like a lot of those things they need to they need to have a cave collection cartridge i'd buy the thing straight away if i had a cave collection all those shmups that cave made i'd buy it in a second um and it, it needs to crib from like all the roms that are on mame you know all of that stuff put those on there make it an arcade retro machine that it sort of tells you it is, but isn't yet. Do you know what I mean? It needs to, it needs to really embrace it and yeah. maybe it needs more money behind it or something or more sales, but it, it looks cool. I like that one. Yeah, the Evercade is great. There's an Evercade premium pack on Amazon right now, which includes a Namco Atari Interplay cartridges for 80 quid. I'm going to say the price on that one is ridiculous. There's only 80 quid for this thing. And mm. the um, Atari is going in at straight away at $400. Mm. And the cartridges the television didn't seem to have a price. Each. Forty ninety nine for the other cartridges, and but yeah, the Intellivision. I've not, I've not seen the price for that. Intellivision one. told you how much the games were going to be. I think they just said that they were going to be like like nine ninety nine or whatever, like Sean was saying, but not how much the actual console was going to be. Anyway, those are my okay. thoughts. I just yeah, there's just sort of different sides to them all. They're they're they could have legs. It depends what people do with them and whether they're interested enough in retro games or making their own retro games, like in the Atari one. Yeah, no, those those are great points. And um, yeah, damn it, Sean, you didn't think about the Amish community in America, did you? Yeah, I didn't. All of my <laughs> brethren, to think of the children. All of my non-technological brethren, you know, Stoke and the Amish community are twins. Um, <laughs> through our lack of community, so um, yeah. Greg, does anything appeal to you in the Evoca or the Amico or the Atari ST VC best, whatever it's called? Uh, the Atari one can go throw itself off a very big cliff for all I care. Uh, the, the television looks cool. I quite like, I mean, weird controllery gimmick thing aside, that does look very odd, but I suppose it is channeling the old Intellivision twisty knobby button remote thing they used to have. So yeah, I can I can see why it's going for that. It's just going to be a bit weird one to get used to. I quite like the Evercade. I still find it weird in this day and age though that they charge, I know they're quite cheap prices for cartridges, but it's the fact that it's a, an emulated console that has cartridges. It seems a bit ass backwards. Why not just do one big of those like, you know, 501 game cartridges things. But then I suppose it's that niche appeal of collecting cartridges. And I know I collect physical games anyway, but yeah, I think it's quite a neat little retro thing. You don't have to buy them, but it's there if you want to. And I think that, like I said, they released like Tanglewood and Xeno Crisis on it as well. was quite nifty because Tanglewood's got its own story behind it as well. But yeah, nothing more to really add than what these, are, these two have put on it. Okay. Was that you just advocating for a digital collection rather than physical media not advocating as such it just seems a bit weird to have like i said uh, the, the games on it aren't exactly exclusives to the evercade 
it just seems a bit weird. Like mm. those are all very small space demanding games that could easily fit onto one cartridge. It seems a bit weird having them on a collection of several. But conversely, like it's nice that you could have, you could flick through your little cartridges and that kind of thing. Yeah, that's fair. The Amica is a weird thing, isn't it? Yes, I'm not sure. And it's how that would look next to. It's going to have the new Earthworm Jim on it, which pisses me off. Yeah, right. <laughs> I don't think that's a system seller, but it's uh, it's going to annoy a few retro retro gamers. Sure. Yeah, like me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, right then, let's move on because we are in the week of Halloween, and we're talking scary video games. And I've got to be honest, this isn't my genre. This is not my area of expertise. So fortunately, I have Greg and Toby and Sean on the podcast with me to lighten that particular load. So I'm going to go around again. Um, Toby Anderson, scary games from your gaming history. What uh, what stands out to you is the most games that you play, sort of maybe this this time of year to freak you <laughs> out or any games that I, properly shit you up. Yeah, I, I was going with the scariest ones I've ever played. That's what I was thinking we were sort of sort of going for so i i do like to play a scary game or or more than one scary game at this time of year um i usually wait for you know whatever comes around that particular year and and buy at least one of them um and usually you know you get you get a good uh, a good scare in your halloween sort of period don't you um but i would say the ones that have gone down in memory are the ones where i've had sort of the most fun with my wife sort of sat on the sofa behind me um so she's in the living room usually doing her own thing and then gets slowly drawn into watching these freaky games that I'm playing. Um, and when she gets really into it, that's when, <laughs> that's when they get more fun and more scary and, and, and more ridiculous. Um, we recently did this with Resident Evil 7 and um, I could have easily picked that. But the crown is going to go to Alien Isolation. So um, that's the one I'd pick as the pretty much the scariest and most fun game I've played that's in this genre. Um, it's like, it's just sort of perfect horror game. It's when you've when you're trapped in one single location so in in alien isolation you're trapped on the sebastopol that enclosed space station unable to get off unless you can deal with the threat and um restore power and all those different things you, you you'd have to do in dead space for example same sort of thing um but that self-contained area is what makes a horror really good that's why the haunted house works that's why all of the things in the first resident evils work that's why you know the, the best horror movies and the best horror games are often set in a very enclosed space that you never really the story never goes outside those boundaries um and alien was just the most brilliant example because i like a good sci-fi at the same time so um for most of the game it's just you and that single alien exploring the remains of the place and just such an atmospheric space station for the places to hide and get away from together not together no (laughs) that's exactly exploring Um, you wanna you (laughs) well it's just you and the alien but you're the one exploring alien is hunting you down um and I, I just i just loved it i think the um I, I don't you always like ones where you're weaponless but you had the motion sensor in that one and that motion sensor is just the scariest tool i think i've ever been given in a horror game um where it's just it's just a beeping radar thing and you and you're a little beep 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 of where the alien is and you're trying to judge whether it's above you or below you or in front of you or behind you and you never know where it is it could be in any of these vents and then you hear it or you see it and you just run for your life and it's like nemesis or mr x in resident evil 2 you know that thing where it can come out of any any room or any wall or whatever oh just the crazy thing is that whenever this happened um when my wife was watching it i i when when it actually came out, I was sat on the um, sat on the floor because we didn't have all that much furniture. So I'd sat on the floor while I was playing, and she's on the sofa behind me. And um, 
she'd scream when the alien came out and and kick me in the head because <laughs> I was lower down. Um, and um, that was uh, every time we knew that something <laughs> had really, really scared us. It was when I'd been kicked in the head at the same time as the alien had tried to catch me. Um, so, uh, yeah, just I think it's the, what the, the last thing I'll say about it maybe is that the um, it's that thing where you're sort of making your you're making the horror yourself. Right. So it's not even set scenes or, or setups in, in that game so much as just it's always the same setup. You're always being hunted by the alien. But, you know, you might have a particular adventure that no one else has. You have an adventure of your own making where you've you've you know, ventured out to try and find something or get to a certain area. And you've had to hide under the table or into a particular locker because the alien's there. And he's right outside, right outside the locker breathing on you. And that never happened to anyone else in exactly the same way as it did happen to you. You know, that kind of thing was was what made it really really exciting and there's just no way to fight him and it was immediate death if you were actually found so you know so you were scared of him it wasn't like you could go out there and you know fight him once or twice if you were if you if you felt brave you're just dead so i think that's um yeah it's that thing where you're being chased and helpless and um it's kind of unique to games where you you, you turn the camera around and then you can't see where that guy is and alien had that as well with the motion sensor so you know not being able to know that's when my wife goes nuts about watching these things when she doesn't when she can't see the enemy on on the screen and i've turned around to run away and i know where the alien is or at least i think i know where it is but then you know a great big tentacle tail comes shooting through your chest and she screams the house down and kicks me in the head <laughs> is that the kind of game that you've played in headphones do you think headphones would add to that oh thank you. I, we we had a, a, a thought or two when it was when it came out was would it ever come to VR? And I can't remember. So has it actually come to VR now? Um, I don't know. It has. No. There is no? an unofficial VR version. There's an unofficial. Because I, I thought I saw someone playing it on a stream in VR yes. at one point. The interactive features that came out with it on the PS4 were, um, well, and Xbox as well. Um, you could use the mic. If you had a headset plugged in, your, you could use your mic. Like in, like in Chaos Theory, uh, the old multiplayer, where um, your... Uh, oh, fuck's sake try doing words greg you can make noise with the mic and it would attract things near you and you could have the camera set up because in the game you can lean your head left and right and look up like when you're when you're in cover so you could actually use the camera to, to look over things instead of you having to do it on the controller which is oh god yeah. it's like vr without the headset kind of thing it's like very rudimentary vr but yeah the fact that you could get in a locker and go fuck it's chasing me and it'll go yeah. well, i know you are now because i can hear you this is it we were told that he could hear me through the microphone when when I first bought the game, so we spent a lot of time breathing very very silently when we were in lockers, just like, oh my god, he's I out there I right now. I haven't brought myself to play it like that. It's um, if it ever came to VR and and like you say, put a headset on or, or, or headphones on, it it would just get scarier and scarier and scarier. I think if if that had ever come to PlayStation VR, and I think they missed a the trick by not doing it, I would have bought a PlayStation VR set just mm. to play that one game. Because it would have been the best VR experience ever. One could imagine it's on the way, or at least the next Alien game might be a VR Just game. Imagine hearing the so. clattering through the vents, because they move quickly through vents as well. So hearing that, oh, like... Don't, don't. That, so, there were plenty of bits in that game that would have shit me up had it been yeah. in VR. You haven't, mentioned, you haven't even mentioned the androids either. I didn't find the androids half as scary. They, they uh, were, ugh. but, but I, it was the alien that got me. He was so good. I, I, am, I am friends with somebody from Creative Assembly who worked, well, they did work there now. Um, the VR version of Alien Isolation existed in its entirety. 
they just never released it. That needs oh, to come out, man. Um, the the, the development... sitting on money, isn't it, right now? Surely. Um, I don't know because I, I don't know what was wrong with it. Whether they just couldn't get the visuals, because obviously VR at the time when it was released was very yeah, it was early, early days, wasn't it? I, I blame I blame IGN for killing Alien Isolation. <laughs> <sighs> don't get me fucking started. <laughs> so that's the weird thing. I mean, I I never played it. Obviously, it just it wouldn't. I just I wouldn't get five minutes into it. But I remember like the awful reception to Colonial Marines. Oh yeah, that was like, like a year that, or so before, wasn't it? Yeah, and I think. Do you think that may have? Oh, totally. Tainted its reception. Do you think? Yeah, it really did. Like, there's there's no two ways about that. The 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 fallout the Sega got from Colonial Marines with the whole gearbox and uh, um, oh fuck, who did they take it on from? Gearbox and oh, it's gone. But yeah, then that big battle about whose fault it was and all this kind of stuff. And yeah, it did. It tainted the brand. And like, like I said, IGN's review didn't help. But then everyone that played Alien was like, no, no, it's. I'm a big advocate for it. It's like, no, just go and play it. And they're like, yeah, but Colonial Marines was shit. And it's like, it's not the same game. There isn't one pulse rifle in Alien Isolation. There's not a weapon in sight in the whole game. Yeah, there is. You get a flamethrower and a magnum. Did you even play? I don't remember, I don't remember <laughs> those at all. You get a magnum. You get flares. You get noisemakers. You get multiple cocktails. <laughs> I don't remember having a flamethrower at all in that game. I played the entire. I played it through the first. I played it through the first time I played Alien Station through. I didn't realize you could use the flamethrower to scare off the alien. Nice. It's only when I realized that someone told me it's like because I I said to my mate I was like every time you see the alien I just I just know I'm dead and he's like use the flamethrower I was like well, I won't kill it he's like no no it doesn't kill it. It's like bapping it on the head with a rolled up newspaper. It makes it run off for a bit, and then you've got about five seconds to try and hide somewhere before it goes, Hang on, I'm a fucking alien. I'm not as gung ho as your friend. <laughs> I was too scared of the alien to try and fight him in, the, in no, a corridor was, with a flamethrower. Yeah, it was the androids for me. It was. I remember I was holding a Molotov once, and this, this android was walking towards me, and I panicked through it at it. So this, this android's walking at me, covered in fire, and in that calm voice, it just went, I can withstand temperatures of up to 2,000 degrees. You're like, oh, fuck off. <laughs> As it was strangling me. I was like, oh, good. Oh, God, I remember you saying that. It might yeah, have been I, I said this it on the time last podcast. year on the yeah. previous Halloween podcast. Because I remember going the whole, like, ah, running away. Yeah, mm. that's, that's always a, that's, that's a very, or well, you hide in, a, in a, an event and it goes, I can wait here for as long as I need to. You're like, oh, thanks. <laughs> Wow, it sounds so. It sounds so inventive. It sounds it's like a great a really game. Cool I, I, lo- I love it, but I hate it at the same time because it just yeah. it just it ruins me. But I love playing. It. I bought it again on PlayStation Four, like six pound the other week. Man, it's my scariest game. Cool. That's definitely a good one. Uh, Mr. Greg Hicks. Yeah, well, Toby and I had this conversation yesterday because he said to me, "I reckon you're going to pick." I, he said, "Are you going to pick Alien?" And I was like, "Yeah, probably." And he went, "Oh, because it's going to be mine." Um, so I, I, I kind of bowed out and let him have that one. I had, I had Dead Space as a backup. Yeah, well, I mean, I kind of wish I'd taken it from Toby now because he just ruined it when I'm mentioning half the features of it. I don't think he actually <laughs> played it. I think he played the demo. Um, I have a terrible memory. That is my main problem with this. You, it's just, just I remember re- all the bits I remember and that was it. Yeah, you just re- re- repressed it all. Uh, no, mine, um, I've said before, I don't know why I've become the de facto horror reviewer. I think Toby's sharing some of the load now, but for a while I, I ended up reviewing all the horror games for the site or most of them. And I've got a real thing about defenseless horror games, like Toby mentioned as well. I can't, if I've got a fighting chance, then fine. But I can't do, I can't do um, like Outlast. It freaks me out. Like you can't hit people with a camcorder, which is, which annoys me. Um, I can't do them. And I realized that it stems from uh, Forbidden Siren on the PS2. Now you can get weapons in that, but 
it's it's oh, it freaks me out. I just remember I'm, I, again, like Toby with Alien. I think I just repressed it until I remembered it last night. It's 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 a PlayStation Two game that did get a PS3 port made by Sony, and it was a bit ropey at the time because all the all the faces of the characters were like mo-capped, but it has that that um, LA Noir thing about like the faces being mo-capped, but the, the bodies aren't. But being PS2 graphics, it's like potato cap. But it's it's set on a Japanese island, and there's some ritual going on, and people don't become undead; uh, they become like not not zombies, but become like possessed in, in sort of like um like like i don't want to say like an asian zombie kind of thing but they do theirs differently in films to you know the the westernized zombie kind of thing they're called shibito and you play as different chapters uh different characters different chapters and you get a thing called sight jacking which means you can tune into the vision of nearby shibito it's like it's like tuning a tv aerial with, with static you basically move and when when you find one, you can lock their perspective to certain hotkeys on the controller, so you can progress, and then you can check the the, the, the visions of where they are. So, if like, it's almost like a, a like a mobile CCTV. You can see where they're where where they're looking to, to progress past them. Um, you do get some weapons, but they don't die. You just stun them for a bit, and a lot of it is running and hiding, and. It just it scares the piss out of me. This I, I hate games with like perpetually chasing enemies, like Mr. X from the Resi Two remake, Nemesis from from the original, um, you know, Outlast and and an Alien. They freak me out, um, and I don't. I mean, fair enough. Like if if it becomes like Dead Space and you just become overpowered, then it loses its horror and that kind of thing. But Forbidden Siren just freaked me out because. You can't really lay waste to enemies and then make a run for it while they're on the floor waiting to get sort of resurrected. And it wasn't like one hit death or anything like that, but it was just a creepy, creepy ass game that pretty much left you quite vulnerable. And the idea was to sort of not so much stealth it up, but it was a puzzle element as well. So it was like it was like Silent Hill without the weapons, and it was like Alien with that looming kind of threat of things following you. And I hadn't really, I never played the PS3 port of it. I think I just, it just shipped me up too much. But yeah, I just, when we were thinking about it last night, when I was thinking about it last night, I just, yeah, Forbidden Siren just really instilled that whole defenseless, vulnerable horror type trope that I, I really don't like. I don't feel comfortable with. So yeah, that's, that's really the one that's maybe the most, most like unnerving game I've played. Just freaks me out. Mm. That's an interesting one. It's not one I would have thought of. No, I, I, like I said, it's like a 15-year-old game, so I've obviously yeah. like, not remembered it. I remember like, when a rep came but in. But it's interesting that it still has that kind of effect, and nothing since then has kind of scared you in uh, the same way. I mean, things have evolved since then. Like, like I said, like Alien scares the piss out of me, and then you start getting a bit tooled up. But um, yeah, it was just, I think that's one of the first real, real horror games I played. Like, obviously, I'd grown up from Resi and stuff since then, but like prior to that, but obviously that, that's more survival horror, but... Yeah, I think that was probably one of the first properly freaky games that I just felt like panicky about. Blech. Nice ending. I like that. <laughs> we like we like the um, stealth ones, don't we? Though, Greg, we like the ones where the more the more stealth there is in any game, I think the more we like it. Oh yeah. So yeah, so if there's a horror which has got stealth elements like Alien and like some, like a lot of others, 
it's um that's why it's well, a good genre well, that we like. Well, no, this is what I mean. Like, I'm not a fan of horror games as such. All right, it's why it's why I like it. Right. <laughs> I like I like Alien because of the universe and stuff like that. But um, yeah, I think I enjoyed the gameplay of Alien so much because it was all stealth based. Really, yes. yeah, yeah. This yeah. is why I forget that there was even weapons in there. <laughs> anyway, what about Sean? To Sean Davies, what is the scariest video game ever made? Because you've played them all, all no. the games. <laughs> I I was also going to ch- choose Alien Isolation. Quick story. Wow. Oh, I checked with Greg, but I should have checked with you. <laughs> no, 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 it's, it's, it's fine. Um, when, when I first played this game, it was in Gamescom. I was in Germany. And I, there was no queue for the Alien Isolation booth. So I thought, you know what, I'll go, I'll go ahead and just give it a go. Didn't have an appointment or anything, so I just jumped on. Uh, the guy in German said, you know, blah, 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 blah. I got, it's a 10-minute demo. That's the only thing I got out of the entire spiel that he gave me. Uh, I walked in, put the headphones on, started playing. And um, there was like a little English piece of paper that was like a scribbled note in front of me that said, the alien AI will follow you. You can't do the same thing twice. Now, I don't know who wrote that down, whether it was like a member of the press or somebody, but it's the only piece of English that I could actually read. So I was freaking out. You know, I was playing the game. It came out through a vent, so I had to hit under a chair, and, and sorry, under a table until it left. And then I finally managed to make it to a, a locker. I jumped in this locker and I basically stayed there because I could see the alien walking back, back and forth in front of the locker often. And anyway, I must've been there for a good 10 minutes <laughs> because the guy who was running the booth then came and tapped me on the shoulder and I nearly knocked him the fuck out because he sent me. <laughs> like, like, <laughs> I, That's brilliant. <laughs> I, I shit myself so much. Um, and um, yeah, that game, I will never forgive IGN. For I would love that to be the, the reason why Sean was banned from Gamescom. <laughs> oh, <laughs> internet, punched internet a world. German guy in the face. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, that, that game, the the AI alien is phenomenal. Uh, I didn't would never ever ever call that a detriment to a horror game, despite the fact there's some out that's dead. And I know I I always say never get like angry about other people's review scores. That one still gets me wound up because it's just a, such a good game. It uses all the best horror tropes. Um, like they, it's in, so faithful to the alien universe as well, isn't it? It is. Mm-hmm. And the, the thing is that gets me is like you were saying about the scanner, but the scanner doesn't always work. And that is one of the best the horror tropes. Motion tracker, let's get it right. Yeah, sorry. Like, you know, you, you look in like every horror game where you, you, you've got darkness and you've got, a, you've got a, a flashlight. The flashlight is going to go out. You depend on it so much. It becomes a crutch. And that's one of the best things that horror games do is it when, it, when you give you the tools and then removes them. And Alien does that so well. It's like when you absolutely need the motion tracker, it fucks up. <laughs> and it's just like totally. oh my god yeah because it gets it gets like static when you go in exactly, yeah. lockers and stuff yeah so it's like it's it's just such a good design choice it's just a perfectly designed game because everyone else has said it i'm going to just pick one one other game clock tower um oh, so nice. clock, clock tower i, I the not the 1995 one, the 1996 one that came out of playstation that for me was the first time i'd ever played a game that had a persistent threat like for horror games, I I, I like pers- persistent threats, um, where you know basically you, it, the, that game also cons you into thinking you've got you've got safe zones. So you know, like Resident Evil, when you know you got Mister X would crash through walls and stuff in safe zones and whatever. 
and the and the new games um that was like a a clock tower thing so you know you would have places where the music would be chill and then the 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 scissorman music would start <laughs> and it was fucking terrifying you'd be like oh thank god i've escaped him and then he would come through a door he wasn't previously allowed to come through so <laughs> the, that game is is terrifying um it's purely because the music and the way that the scissorman walks and the fact that there is just no way to escape him he's constantly chasing you and it's kind of like that movie, do you know the one where basically the thing just keeps walking after it you? Follows. It That's follows. That's it, yeah. It's it's basically that movie. That film is so good. Yes, that is like Clock Tower because the, like the first level you're in like a multi-tiered building and you can go up and down stairs. And the thing is, if you go downstairs, you know that at one point the, the scissor man's going to come down to that, that floor because he knows where you are, he follows you. And you've got to try and basically navigate him going past you to get back upstairs it's just a constant constant arse on the end of your chair game and <laughs> yeah that's that's my pick like alien isolation but you know second place clock tower where is um clock tower set in what country <laughs> uh it's one of the scandinavian countries oh, okay well then that narrows it down right, even i didn't know that one oh, <laughs> clock, clock tower is the one you can get in the car at the start of the game isn't it uh, I don't know. I've never got in the car to start a game. Oh. Uh, it's mm. it's the, set in a university. You just drive away from the scissor man. Oh, <laughs> what is it? The whole game no, is over no, in five minutes. No, no, it's not the university one. It's the one that's set in like a It's like the old 2D one where you... Oh, the Famico one. Yeah. Yeah. That's the one that's in the, the, the quiz question. Not the one yeah. I'm talking about. Mm. <laughs> Ooh. Uh, what about you? What's, what's your favourite scary game? Um, Watch Dogs 2. Because <laughs> it's set at night. Uh, Animal Crossing I, at night. I played. I played Grounded, and there was a big spider in it. That was quite scary. No, I mean it's really not a genre I, I, I go into. I'm very aware of my limitations in terms of horror, and I like things that are, are kind of more psychological than kind of like straight up straight up horror. So maybe I should delve into things like isolation because I, like, I like that kind of idea. But no, I really don't have anything to offer in this one. I'm afraid, except for any games that are big. Limbo, I guess, was a pretty intense one for me i beat it and i was very proud of myself but limbo scared the hell out of me yeah fair enough spiders spiders is your like big thing it is it is my big thing and have you seen uh scullion's tweet no (laughs) this is breaking news (laughs) no no it's just relevant to what you've literally just said okay i'll I'll take a look in a bit uh but no yeah it's not a genre i play i play into all, all that much but yeah limbo and inside were yeah they were about about my limit in terms of the genre but the more you guys talk about isolation, the more I want to try it. You should. You should oh, just give it a go, yeah. Please do it on stream. <laughs> it oh, will be the shortest thanks. stream of Hall- all time. Halloween <laughs> Halloween stream. With a heart yeah. rate monitor as well. <laughs> on your stream. It'll be uh, just five minutes and be like, nope, I'm done. <laughs> right, back to full guys. Let's go, guys. Because Ross is down the road from me. What I should do is every time Ross walks under a vent and the alien dripping, I should just drop something on his head. So just to freak him out. Yeah, I, I just saw that tweet. Fuck you, Greg. <laughs> and yeah, I know Sarah's currently playing Phasmophobia, which is a oh, everyone's banging on about that. A they? PC game where the ghost in the game interacts to your voice. You know, it's it's got hard coded words that will um. Well, yeah, of course it does. It must. No, no, it, yeah, there's a there's someone published a list of the hard coded words that will get the, the the witch to come near, like closer to you. So obviously mm. swear words and saying like Bloody Mary, which you might think would be funny, but yeah, the witch goes, uh, the ghost goes, yeah, what? <laughs> like it, it deliberately draws it out just for trying to wind the game up. Yeah. Ian at your it's the thing if you repeat it, it. You repeat her name three times in the mirror or something, is it like that? Yeah, I'm not, I'm not doing it now, though. 
Yeah, you know, you're a gamer. Currently playing it in VR. That's scary stuff. Mm. Mm. So yeah, there's plenty of really cool scary games out there. I'm sure we can make a list up. And, and anybody want to do a listicle for the site? Scary games. I'll give you a, a fiver and a orange twirl. Ooh. Mm. <laughs> no, no one. Okay. Fine. <laughs> right then, let's jump to the indie corner. Welcome to the Indie Corner. <laughs> uh, given that this is our Halloween episode, I've concentrated on scary games this week. Um, so the first is Strobophobia, Fogia. Strobophobia? Um, which is releasing on Steam on the 28th of October. It's a horror game, but set in a rave, which I don't think I've ever seen done before. It's full of like horns and uh, neon colours and UV lights. And it looks- I played it. Yes, how was it? Um, well, it, it had a bit of a frame rate issue because of my PC, but oh, um, the, the actual game is cool. Um, like these weird black, like black silhouette people with, like you say, neon colors all over them. And there's crazy rave music all the time. And you're just trying to work your way around a weird forest and find different things to interact with. But I it like was the, pretty, uh, it was a cool atmosphere though. I liked the atmosphere of it. I like the idea that it gave your PC epilepsy. It really did. It was. It was. It can't. It couldn't cope with it, and it was running it very slowly. Um, but um, yeah, I, I, I would love to play it on something a bit more powerful. Yes, I'm gonna have to kind of get into this because this this game, everyone, everyone I've spoken to has been raving about it. So um, <laughs> anyway, that's releasing on Steam on the 28th. Um, the next game is called Siren Head Awakening. So, have you guys heard of Siren Head? Is this is this totally new to you guys? No. So you've heard of Siren Head? No. Okay. Your so, first question was, have you heard of it? <laughs> <laughs> so Siren Head is I don't know if you've ever like dipped to toe into like YouTuber com like um the kind of world that they build up, but every so often they latch onto like a, a horror character. What it was like Baldy and Granny. And basically, all of these YouTubers, they, they group around a particular horror character. They use it in things like Minecraft and things. One of these characters is called Siren Head. Uh, Siren Head was a character driven by Trevor Henderson. And he just tweeted out this, this artwork a bit about basically, it looks like a big pole uh, with two sirens on the top of it. And basically, it was a horror character drawn with like veins all over the pole and everything. And um, he called it Siren Head. So Siren Head has now become part of like basically YouTube pop culture, you know, zeitgeist. And these developers have decided to make a first person horror game based on Trevor Henderson's artwork. Um, you basically are stuck in a forest where your car's broken down. Uh, and it looks a bit like the uh, Slenderman games, that if you've ever played those, but basically it's just jump scares where you've got this persistent threat of a horrible thing following you around. Uh, and this time it's Siren Head. Now, these games, these, these aren't everyone's cup of tea, um, but if you like jump scares and you like an evening of entertainment, it is releasing for free on, high, on, on Halloween on Steam. So if you fancy that, give it a go. Uh, and the last game, we, we've actually received code for this and it looks really pretty cool. It's called Shut In. It's a short, dark comedy, psychological horror adventure game which explores depression and isolation by trapping you inside your own house. Basically, the aim of the game is to get outside. Uh, this game was 
devised by a pair of developers called Kale O'Sullivan and Luke Wilkinson uh, during the COVID-19 lockdown, hence the aim of the game to get outside. Uh, it's just a few hours long, uh, but there are over a dozen unique ways to die. Uh, you basically explore this hostile home, solve the puzzles, and uh, go through uh, an utter barrage of sarcasm as you do so by an unreliable narrator, one of those uh, excellent horror tropes. So uh, this game releases on Steam on the 30th. And there's one other game that I wanted to mention that I haven't written down here, but it's called Raise the Dead. Uh, R-A-Y apostrophe S, the dead. So basically this game, I backed this on Kickstarter about seven years ago, and it's been in development for the entire length of time. These developers have been through hell for this game. They had two publishers, both of which let them down. One of them folded and one of them dropped them. But finally, the game is now out on PlayStation 4. It releases on on the European store today, if you listen to the podcast. It's basically Pikmin, but with cartoon zombies. Ray wakes up, he's got a light bulb in his head, and he is now a zombie, but he remembers his life. He's, He's an intelligent zombie. Every other zombie is a dumbass, and he's basically trying to investigate his own death. But basically, you can round up the zombies and use them as like a gang, like in Pikmin. Um, so I, I've, I've just got the code for the European version, so I'll be playing it and hopefully putting a review on the website. But if you've if you got a chance, go and have a look at that game because it looks... Uh, I've been excited for this game for years and years and years. And the fact that it's finally out and these guys have finally got it over the finish line is absolutely miraculous, given what they've been through. So, yeah, that's Raise the Dead. And that was the Indie Corner. Thank you very much, John. A pleasure. Well, don't go anywhere, though, because it's time for the quiz answers. Cool. Okay, let's do this. Question one. Uh, Bonnie, Chica, and Freddy Fazbear are all antagonists from which horror video game series? Ross, can you get one right? No, he's Damn it, I was muted. Five, <laughs> five Nights at Freddy's. Correct. Well done. Yeah. Exactly. exactly. Okay. Question two. The development team called Red Barrels are famous for creating which horror video game series? Uh, Toby. Is it Outlast? Outlast is correct. Uh, question three. According to the Guinness book, book of World Records, what game is considered the first ever 3D survival horror game, Toby? I don't have an answer for this. Uh, okay, Greg? I went for Alone in the Dark. Alone in the Dark is correct. Yes. Is it? Sweet. Nice. Uh, question four. Man of Medan and the upcoming Little Hope are part of which video game series from Supermassive Games, Ross? Uh, the Dark Pictures Anthology. Correct. Look at him go. (laughs) Doesn't even like horror games. Um, (laughs) Question five. uh, The player-controlled character in Alien Isolation is what relation to Ellen Ripley, Greg? Daughter. I didn't need a hint for that one. No, sorry. But, you know, like... If you put, let, 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 let's just put the... If, if Ross had written down Son, that would have been very embarrassing, yes? So, no, really. You should have played uh, it, shouldn't you? You gave well, him the name Amanda as well. So, so should really IGN, but they didn't. Anyway. Hey. <laughs> Question six. Uh, which game is set aboard the USG Ishimura, uh, Toby? Uh, that would be Dead Space. Dead Space is correct. Question seven. In the original Silent Hill game, which neighbouring town did Sybil Bennett come from? Lakeside, Brookhaven, or Brahms? Uh, Greg? She's over from Brahms. She's it. She is over from Brahms. Correct. Yeah. Um, question eight: George A. Romero directed an advert for which Resident Evil slash Biohazard game that only ever aired in Japan? Roscoe. Uh, Resi three. Oh, so close. So close. It was, was Resident it? Evil two. Ah, damn it! But it used American actors and stuff. It's it did. Weird. 
and never heard of it. The, I don't know if you saw the the basically the spoof version that they did for the release of Resident Evil Two Remake. Yeah, brilliant job by them. The, oh yeah, totally. Question nine: The nineteen ninety five Clock Tower game was set in which real world country, Toby? I've written Transylvania. Bad, I have I no guess. idea. <laughs> uh, Greg? But Latvia. Uh, Roscoe? That's not Scandinavian, that's for sure. <laughs> Ross? I put, uh, I put Norway. Norway is correct. Fuck yeah, it is. <laughs> <laughs> okay, question 10. That's just fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> question 10. Regina, Gail, Rick, and Cooper are all characters from which 90s survival horror game? Greg? Dino Crisis. Dino Crisis is correct. Crisis. Question 11, in the game Fear or First Encounter Assault Recon, what is the name of the powerful psychic antagonist? Toby? Is it Alma? Alma is correct. Uh, question 12, the Gregory Horror Show video game was developed and published by which Japanese company? Ross? No idea. Uh, Greg? Capcom. Capcom is correct. Uh, question 13, Raymond Legends was originally slated to be a Wii U exclusive until which horror video game failed to make a profit watching Ubisoft to make it multi-platform uh, Toby it's got to be Zombie U Zombie U is correct oh man uh, did you ever play it no yeah it was alright the, the PS4 didn't have a Wii U at the, uh, early enough to bother at all I played it's, the PS4 version ported, didn't yeah. uh, I, I think it really missed the whole controller thing on the PS4 mm. but it was just called um, Zombie on the PS4 wasn't it yeah <laughs> yeah Mm. Which is which is weird because Zombie U was originally based on a game that Ubisoft published like years ago called Zombie U, which is daft. Anyway, mm. question fourteen: The original Left 4 Dead was published on which P- were on PC and what console? Ross. I mean, I remember playing Left 4 Dead on a Xbox 360, so I'm just going to say that Xbox 360 is correct. Mm. All right, it was only out on the PC and Xbox 360. Uh, question fifteen: Which cult classic horror game focuses on a murder investigation by FBI special agent Francis York Morgan and a fictional town of Greenvale, Washington. Toby? A deadly premonition. Correct. Fuck you. I only got that deadly from the clues afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> right, okay, let's tot up them scores. Out of 15, I hope everyone's okay. Hmm, bloody hell. Survived it. Go on then, Ross, how did you do? 10. That is good out of 15. Mm. Well done. God damn it! Question. Why did you add? Why did you add five more questions? <laughs> <laughs> you could have had a full house. Um, Toby, eleven. Eleven. Greg, fourteen. Fourteen Ooh. out of fifteen. Nice. Greg A. Romero over here. <laughs> hey. <laughs> um, the only one I didn't get was the uh, clock tower one. Well, next time you know it's Norway. Both games and were set in Norway. I kind of tried to throw you a, a spanner earlier, but I said it was yeah. the second game. Both of them were. So yeah, that was the quiz. Thank you very much, man. Congratulations, Greg. That does bring an end to the quiz. All that's left to do is out this week. So Mr. Toby Anderson, what is out this week? All right, uh, bear with me because I'm reading this out from uh, stuff I haven't gribbed before. But um, October 27th, so the day that this uh, podcast goes live, The Legend of Heroes Trails of Cold Steel 4 comes to PS4 and Ghost Runner comes to PC and PS4. Uh, Cobra Kai... The Karate Kid Saga continues. Um, presumably that's all based on the Netflix one. That comes to PS4 and Xbox One. And Oddworld New and Tasty, the remake of the original Oddworld Abe's Odyssey, comes to Switch. 
a little indie game called Carto, which looks quite nice. You build a, a maps out of little squares. That's coming to Switch and PS4 on o October 27th as well. And then if we move on to the next day, October 28th, um, Oceanhorn 2, Knights of the Lost Realm, comes out on Switch. That's another of your um, Breath of the Wild looky-likes. Mm, for sure. Um, absolutely looks like totally the same game. Um, but it probably is pretty good. Uh, that one's coming out that day. Uh, what else have we got? Not much else on October the 28th. Uh, something called Transient on PC. Um, October 29th, Full Throttle Remastered comes to Xbox One. Um, and that Five Nights at Freddy's VR Help Wanted comes to Xbox One as well. Uh, Pacer, which is a wipeout sort of racer game, comes to PC and PS4 on October 29th. Um, and then October 29th's big game, Watch Dogs Legion, comes oh. to PC and PS4. Uh, do we know if it's coming anywhere else? Is it just those two? And Xbox One. And Xbox One. There we and go. Stadia. Sorry about that. Uh, it's coming to everything. Um, on October 29th, sorry about this, I've only got a list with PC and PS4 written on it. Um, then there's a Chinese game coming that was on some of the indie things the, the other couple of weeks ago uh, called Zhang Yuan Sword uh, 7, which I've probably just murdered. Um, comes to PC, if you've got a pretty good PC, because that's a very pretty game. Uh, Day of the Tentacle Remastered comes out on Xbox One. And a little indie game called Disc Room comes out on Switch. Um, which is very, very recently came out on some other, um, some other systems as well. That's where you uh, avoid discs in crazy little things. It looks like Super Meat, Super Meat Boy, but uh, downwards, you know, top down. Um, and Grim, Fa Grim Fandango as well is being remastered, and that is coming out on October 29th on Xbox One. Loads of things at the end of October. Right, uh, October 30th, we've got uh, the Dark Pictures Anthology Little Hope comes to PC and PS4 and probably a few other things as well. Legends of Eternal comes to Switch and PS4. Angry Video Game Nerd 1 and 2 Deluxe comes to Switch and PC. Um, and Pikmin 3 Deluxe comes to Switch. Something called Clear is coming to Switch on October 30th. And then Auto Chess um, kicks off October 31st, coming to PS4. Uh, Cluthu Book of Ancients on October 31st as well. Um, and there's a couple of games that are still slated for October, but I'm, I'll leave them out, I think, because they're not necessarily actually going to come out this month. But that, I think, wraps it up. That's the only ones that are actually listed as definitely coming out this month. That is out this week. Excellent. Thank you, Toby. Man, you had your radio voice on then. Thanks. It was like ASMR. I loved it. <laughs> I was actually, for a second, thought I was listening to the pool scores. Um, <laughs> the shipping forecast. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Thank you. Oh, man, can, you, can, you put an old, can you put an old-fashioned radio filter over Toby's voice? Would you? Yeah, that would be great. <laughs> In today's gaming news. We can do it like that next time, if you like. On the 27th of October, Ghost Runner is coming out. I don't know. I tell you how, boys. Yes. In such. And, and call blimey governor, Watch Dogs Legion is coming out on Thursday. <laughs> What the bloody hell is this game then? Yeah. Uh, right then, that does wrap it up. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you all very much indeed for listening to this week's episode of the Finger Guns Podcast. We'll be back once again next week for all your gaming shenanigans. Don't forget to follow us everywhere. Follow the link tree in the description. We are everywhere. You can't get rid of us. We're like creepy things that follow you around in alien isolation. Don't forget to subscribe to the Apple and the Spotify things to keep your podcast feeds updated with the podcast every single week. And of course, if you really love what we do, 
we have a Patreon, patreon.com forward slash finger guns. Give us one pound a month to keep our podcast services live and the website alive and kicking as well. That would be fantastic. Thank you very much indeed. But until then, it is goodbye from Mr. Greg Kicks. I'll be right back. Goodbye from Toby Anderson. Brains. Goodbye from Mr. Sean Davies. Naked from space. It's the only way to be sure. And it's goodbye from me. I've been Roscoe. We'll see you next time on the Finger Guns Podcast. Uh,